Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. La 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 That's my mini mouse imitation. Oh. Because she once did that, and now that's the only voice I can hear doing Didn't that Mickey song. did Mickey just turn 90? Yeah. You know what he's still not? In the freaking public domain. So there you go. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. 1923, baby. It's the worst. It's the fact of the day. I'm really looking forward to 2023. Okay. When we can do whatever we want to that damn mouse. That sounds really awful. Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> it can, you know, in my head, it sounded better, and then it just, it sounded horrible yeah. when it came out like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, Mickey. I'm not sorry. Anyway, um, we were doing the... Uh, right, well, why was I doing that? Oh, because I've just come back from Hawaii. Hawaii! What part of Hawaii did you come back from? Oahu. Oahu. <laughs> that sounds like a duck that uh, would be in a line with a bunch of other ducks. Yes. That was Uwak's uh, cousin. Oahu. 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 Exactly. Yeah, well, first I was actually in Vegas for mm-hmm. a week. Mm-hmm. And then I came back for a day, and then mm-hmm. I was in Toronto for a couple days, mm-hmm. and then I came back for a day, and then I was in Hawaii for a week. How is this even possible? Because we have been producing these episodes week after week. That's so weird. It's really weird. I must have been in all those places with you. You must have. There's no other explanation. Unless we were just recorded a bunch all at once and then systematically released them. Wah, 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 wah. No. You know that would crazy. be technology. I don't know what you're going back in time to, but uh, oh, when we recorded all of those podcasts yeah. all at the same time. Yeah. yeah, that was fun times. And that no one noticed, lot. right? Right. Not a soul. Right? Nobody yeah. really, well, at least nobody wrote in and said, J'accuse. I mean, the only way they'd know is if they were like, hey, I wrote you an email like yeah. four weeks ago and you haven't brought it up on the podcast. Well, actually, we do have a bunch of those. Uh, yeah, which we'll be reading. Um, not all of them. Uh, but but some of them at least because we did have a bit of a backlog yeah. for, for once in our bloody lives, <laughs> and I'm very grateful I for it too. Gone for a month more often. <laughs> exactly. And speaking of you being gone, who the heck are you? Oh, I am Kate, the wannabe Hawaiian. I would say the world traveler, but that works too. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah. There you go, Kate, the world traveler, and I am Betsy, the homebody. That's not entirely true though. I did go to Houston, uh, in there somewhere oh, for okay. two days. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What do we do here? We talk about where we go. Yeah, that's all we do. (laughs) This is the world traveling podcast where we just tell you about places you can't go and make you sad. (laughs) That sounds delightful. And sad. And sad. (laughs) Super, super sad. Or we just go to all the places that people don't want to go to and we let them know what they're not missing out on. That's a reality show. That's not a podcast. I mean, I'm okay with that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Wait, where would we end up going? I don't know if I, I want mean, to I mean, maybe people now. don't want to go to Vegas. But That's true. my grown-up things at the end of this podcast are going to give you three reasons why you should go All to right. Vegas. All right. We've already previewed that we have letters, and now you're previewing your grown-up things you like? Yeah. We're just completely wackadoodle off. Like, you just take off for four weeks, and then suddenly everything's all higgledy-piggledy. Uh, yeah. Skewy. 
Yeah. yeah. What do we do here? Oh, we talk. Uh, we talk. You can't remember, can you? I have no You've idea. been gone so long. What, am, what are we doing here? Yeah, who are you? <laughs> uh, we talk about children's picture books and whether they are classics or not. Yeah. Yeah, that's what we do. You just gave me like a side eye here where you're like, you were like, get me out of here. That was what that look was. It was that's like. That's what we do? Um, yes, that's what we do. Do people like it? Uh, some of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> we have, we have our, our base, our core <laughs> fan base as it is. Cool. All right. So, which brings us to today's book. Ah. Um, which, if you know today's book, I, I will eat this microphone. I do not think you're going to know this one. It's from 1974. It's very colorful. It's very controversial. The title is... Arrow to the Sun. By... I didn't finish it, Betsy. Oh. It's Arrow to the Sun, a Pueblo Indian tale. No, I actually cut you off on purpose there, but that's okay. You can read that if you want to. <laughs> and uh, who's that thing by? Gerald McDermott. That's right. Fun fact, not a Pueblo Indian. Let's have fun with that one. <laughs> well, I was yeah. going to say, his last name is McDermott. McDermott. <laughs> the rare Pueblo Indian McDermott tribe. Yeah. Not a thing. Not nope. a thing at all. But it's got a gold thingy. Yeah. Sure does, that thing. Has a nice gold thingy on it. Yep. Right schmeckin' and dabby on the cover there. Are we reading this because, like, Thanksgiving's coming up? And, well, like, when the this airs, it will have already have been Thanksgiving, so... Oh. Uh, yes. Yes. In, yeah, we, we, we're reading this because it just happened right. last Thursday, so mm-hmm. yes, that yeah, is that, why... That's a thing that happened. It was. And we need to read this to honor I what happened. I can't believe happened. what I did with that turkey. Oh, oh man. Oh, man. That will go down in family legend, family lore. <laughs> People will still be saying, that year that Betsy did that thing with that turkey. Man, you guys should hear about it. Oh, we'd all be like, stop talking about it. I don't want to hear about it anymore. <laughs> I'm embarrassed every time you bring it up, but secretly, I'll be pleased. We'll, 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 we'll wait on that, then. We'll let people just... Fill in the blanks yeah, like a madman. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, get, Betsy, just give me the book. Just give me the book. basted it with noun. Yeah. All right, go read that book. Now, usually while Kate does her read, I give you a little background information on the book, stuff that you wouldn't normally know. (sighs) I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you the Wikipedia entry, which I don't usually do. But I feel like it's necessary because anything else I bring up with this book, I actually want to talk to her about. So this is all, pretty much all, that the Wikipedia entry for this book says. I don't want to influence you, but if after listening to this episode, you want to say, update this Wikipedia entry with perhaps some additional facts, I would not stop you. Here's what it reads. Arrow to the Sun is a 1973 short film and a 1974 book, both by Gerald McDermott. The book was printed in a gouache and ink that's what it says, and won the 1975 Caldecott Medal for Illustration. Both media are a retelling of a Pueblo tale, specifically an Acoma Pueblo tale, in which a mysterious boy seeks his father. Okay. I was gonna do a whole like Looney Tunes, like da 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 but even as I was going through my head, I realized how long it was, so I figured I'd talk for the same amount of time, and that'd be a much better way of of introducing the fact that you're back. Oh, hi. Hi. <laughs> I am back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you read a book. I 
did. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. You got that look on your face like, is this going to get me in trouble? Um, that and why did you make me read this? Okay, good question. And I think that's a good way to begin, actually. Even before you do your read-through, let me give a little context. So, uh, what makes a Caldecott Award winner remembered? One that people keep checking out and reading to classrooms of children and things like that. Uh, the answer is, I don't know. Um, this book, for whatever reason, keeps appearing and existing in this world. It is, it has like, uh, on the Scholastic website, it has a whole like teacher guide uh, on how to use it. Um, it, uh, it, I looked, this, we, the copies in my library had gone out uh, fairly recently. Fun fact, even though this man did many, many books, all quote-unquote based on folktales, uh, this was the only one that was in the picture book section and nowhere near the folktale section, which I almost feel like was a political statement on the library's part. So we're doing it because we're trying to figure out why it's remembered, and perhaps we are rejecting the fact that it is remembered. Let's find out. Okay, well first, tell me... On the cover, what is this person wearing? It's like, okay. it's like Bob Mackie designed an outfit for mm -hmm. like an '80s drag queen. Yes. <laughs> and does it look like pixels to you? Oh yeah. Okay, we gotta talk about that because it's like it's like the Minecraft. It looks like Minecraft, right? Yeah, yeah that looks like a really fancy villager. So, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, that is apparently. A Kachina figure. Now, uh, a Kachina figure, or a Kachina dolls, uh, tend to represent supernatural beings, uh, rain spirits, not human figures. Um, but in this case, the illustrator decided to make a Kachina figure his representation of the humans. Do Kachina figures have neon colors? Not normally. The colors in this book are a little odd. I mean, it's not like you find these colors in nature. Right. You don't find them in Pueblo art either, for that matter. <laughs> so um, I'm going to read you some critics. These critics did not say these things before the book won its Caldecott Award. In fact, apparently nobody said a said boo about it uh, before it came out. Um, it was all starred review, starred review, starred review, best book of the year thing. But the minute this book wins, uh, some of the big time, big name children's book critics were like, So you had your Selma G. Lanes, who said, well, she was in an article comparing this to Randolph Caldecott, great Randolph Caldecott, uh, comparing it uh, poorly, one might say. Here's what, here's what she wrote. While Caldecott breathed life into every drawing he ever made, color or black and white, McDermott somehow manages to squeeze out any suggestion of it in his work, despite a near-psychedelic palette that makes his artwork virtually jump off the page. And where Caldecott's pictures flowed effortlessly, one into the next, McDermott's lumber graphically forward with about as much natural grace and motion as those mechanical rabbits that launch dog races. Yeah, it's like, it's definitely late 70s, early 80s, that sort of time period of the psychedelic neon. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about it, but you're absolutely right. Um, by the way, a Pueblo woman weighed in. 
Um, she looked at the color scheme and she found it super jarring, particularly the fact that it's black and orange, which she associated with Halloween. She said, quote, I was looking for the pumpkin in these colors. It's very <laughs> strange to have these two colors together in the Pueblo world. Well, I get in the beginning why he does it because it's, it's the sun. It's the sun sure. with in a darkness all around, which is the black, yep. reaching the town, which I'm assuming has clay and yep. natural orange and rust colors, you know. But mm-hmm. the the very first page. The very first sentence threw me off. The okay. very first sentence says, Long ago, the Lord of the Sun sent the spark of life to Earth. First of all, I'm like, Lord of the Sun? Lord of the Sun. It's like Not, Lord of the Dance. You can't be like the God of Sun? Or... No, you're the Lord of the... You're, you're this only is a manner. <laughs> you're not good enough to be a God, you're only a Lord. Yes, you're just a little Lord of yes. the Sun. But you're above a duke. <laughs> it's true. That's true. Because <laughs> no one listens to the duke of no. the sun. No. So, like so, four dukes in the world anyway. Yeah. So, but then I thought, okay, bringing, sent a spark of life to earth. There's, like, buildings yeah. <laughs> with ladders. Those are natural ladders. Sure they grew out of the ground. Life no, I think it's, it's, a, it's a common misconception that ladders are made. Uh, those ladders grew out of the ground. Oh, Naturally. Right. Yes. Yes. That's From a ladder tree. Trees. Yes. Or vines. <laughs> and then ladder I flipped vines. the page and I went, oh, he meant his spark of life, meaning he impregnated a woman. Yeah. It's amazing. They did sort of like, like that Zeus Virgin thing. Mary. You know, like in the Zeus thing where it's like, and Zeus was a shower of golden rain and then a baby just magically appeared yeah. in that woman's tummy. Well, yes. I just, well, I look that like, is precisely like, what just happened. It's yes. like the Virgin Mary. You know, all of a sudden she becomes pregnant mm-hmm. by the Lord of the Sun. <laughs> not the Duke. No, not the Duke. <laughs> Let's be not clear. Not the Baron. <laughs> Baron is, von Sun. We're getting silly, Betsy. Okay, I'm sorry. We need to be serious. There's nothing serious, this is serious. about this book. Yeah. Right, so... It's a dead serious book. But but there are parts of the art that I think is kind of cool. No, it's... it's uh, You can't just say... Yeah, no, I mean, clearly work was put into it. Though, can I just say, I'm baffled, baffled by the year this book came out. And here is why. As you read this book, and we'll get to this to a certain extent, it looks like a video game, yes? We've, we've yes. already mentioned Minecraft. Or, um, would you like to guess what year this came out? Oh, I would say late 70s, early 80s. Right. No. It came out in 74. Okay, well, 70s. But, so technically, Pong came out in 1972. But even so, Pong was two paddles and a ball. Like, this looks like an 80s. Well, an early 80s. Fuck. An early yeah. 80s arcade game. Early 80s arcade game Pitfall. Pitfall. It That's looks just like Pitfall. You jump on the alligator's head. Ooh, you poke. And, and then, then you close it on. And then you jump to the next alligator's head. And you swing across the rope so you don't fall into the pit. Yep, and it probably made it sound like, <laughs> if you fell into the pit. Well, how... But I'm baffled are... by this look because this look, nobody ever says it looks like a video game because there weren't video games people had in their homes in 1974. So this is baffling to me. But, it, but there are parts of the art that are kind of cool. Like oh, the, yeah, yeah. the way that it interprets corn or the sure. way that if you're wise, you have pupils. Um, <laughs> hmm. I guess. Unless, I guess, yeah. Unless you're the sun, you only get one pupil. He's a cyclops. He is a cyclops. Uh, if but you're the, the son of the sun. The son of the sun has one eye. The son of the sun has one eye. Wise men get two eyes. That's correct. And they apparently can make boys into arrows. 
That's a thing. Well, only if you're the son of the sun. That's um, the thing. Yeah. How, okay, first of all, how did the arrow maker know that the boy came from the sun? Uh, because he has one pupil in the middle of his head. But they, he's also black and white. But the, where everyone guy, else but the Lord of the Sun has two. Well, he's a, he's very wise. And they look nothing alike. Uh, like, that's true. So how did? The, Wait, no. He has, does he have a flower in his chest? Does the Lord of the Sun also have a flower in his chest? He does. They have a matching flower, right? Yeah. Matching flower. But if you look at the very first page where the Lord is shooting his arrow, shooting as you were, you can't really see. Well, that's because his arrow just got shot. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. Maybe he Ruru is. I, I, I just don't know uh, where this arrow maker is like, I, don't I know. know who your father is. <laughs> I shall turn you into an arrow. Wait, what? You're going to do what now? Are you doing? I shall turn you into an arrow. <laughs> Seemed like a plan. Okay, so the boy just magically turns into an arrow like you well, do. Well, he was skinny to begin with, to be fair. <laughs> he just puts his arms up. He just up. puts his arms up over his head and he's... And then he becomes Bada an bang, arrow. you're an arrow, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, right. So mm. he turns himself into an arrow. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. Flies through this Technicolor... Which um, is clearly Space ast- Invaders. It, well, I was going to say, like, shot asteroids. He's Space Invaders. It's, <laughs> it's asteroids, boop, kind boop, of. Yeah. Boop, 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 and then he boop, gets boop, to the sun. Mm-hmm. Where... So he gets to the first level. <laughs> right. I'm sorry, there's no other way to interpret this. All right, fine, okay. So... Why he... is there an arrow next to him if he's just been the arrow? Uh, he traveled in the arrow. Oh, he was inside the arrow. Yes. Dumb, well, that Betsy. makes perfect sense. Okay, science, that's fine. Okay? I'm sorry. That's it's science. science. That's just science. Hashtag yeah. science. Okay. So he meets his father, mm-hmm. who immediately says, you might be my son, but you might not. So I gonna, shoot a lot of arrows. So I'm going to be <laughs> putting you through a bunch of uh, different chambers with a mm. bunch of different vicious animals that you need to get through. Does and then say what the name of this chamber is? Kiva of lions, the Kiva of serpents, okay. the Kiva of bees, and the Kiva of lightning. Okay, so fun fact about Kivas. So Kivas exist. Um, they are considered places of ceremony and instruction. They are not places for trials. <laughs> uh, so a Kiva would not, in fact, be a place where you would send somebody through a video game to defa- defeat each level. Uh, <laughs> odd that he chose to use that word. Continue. I just don't understand. Does the Lord of the Sun get a bunch of boy arrows claiming to be his spawn? I think like, it happens all the freaking time. It must, because he's like, you might be my son, you might not. Oh, also, other point. Um, the whole reason the boy's doing this is because people were like, you don't have a dad, right? The whole, like, fatherless boy idea uh, is a totally uh, foreign concept to the Pueblo. That's very much a European thing. So, anyway, the whole impetus for the entire journey is sort of European. Continue. Well, again, yeah, McDermott. McDermott. <laughs> That's just right? like, okay, from now on, if anyone tries to de- defend the book, our reaction is, well, McDermott. McDermott. Yeah. So, McDermott. McDermott. Um, All right, so level the, one. Oh, so level the two. kid Sorry. gets through, yeah, he gets through level like, two. All of this just feels like, like, you remember at the beginning of, like, Pac-Man, where, like, you get, like, the little video, or Miss, Mrs. <laughs> Or no, Mrs. Pac-Man. You know how little Miss Pac- Mrs. Pac-Man, you'd get like the video game like um, sequences between the games, and there'd be like a little like a little movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was the movie at the beginning that starts it off. Where, like now you must defeat the first level. Look, okay. and the sun god lost his flower thing in the middle of his chest. Now it's just a gaping hole of, I don't know. That's because he's never really known love. <laughs> Or he just shoots it all over the or place. Or he just shoots it all over and then it just regrows back. Like, I don't know how birds and bees work. So, so he first beats the lions. 
Right. Then he tames the serpents. Sure, yeah. But these poor lions look terrified. I don't know what he did to them. But Nothing they, good. They're like, what have we just I seen? I think he removed his eyeballs and it just freaked him out too much because he doesn't seem to have them anymore. <laughs> well, now he's got it back. Oh, he's got it back. Oh, for I'm the sorry. serpents. Eyeball. And yes. he's with his fingers, he's going pew 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 pew. <laughs> and that then is exactly serp- what he is doing the entire time. And then the serpents time. somehow like eat their own now tails. Now I can't look at like any of this without thinking, just and, seeing him going like. And now there's a whole bunch of bees, and he's going And now the bees have turned into honeycomb, and now he's licking his finger. He's going, mmm, that's good honey. There's some good honey. And then he gets the lightning, which shocks him. And now he well, has... I didn't see that one coming, Now he you? has two eyes. Oh! The lightning gave him two eyes. Well, we should all be so lucky. But it totally looks like a Minecraft sword. It, no, it like, looks so Minecraft. It's... Which I... Uh... But I love that he goes through all of these trials and tribulations, and then he gets transformed with the power Wait, of the sun. But you know what this looks like, what he gets transformed into. Um, like a QC, like QR code? Is it's a QR code. code. He's yeah. turned into a QR code. Yeah. Yeah. Which I've know. always thought were super ugly. So, <laughs> there you go. But now he's full of, um, oh. he's got oranges, greens, he suddenly blues, got colorized. pinks. Yes, he's now in Technicolor. Like Ted Turner got a hold of him. And his dad's ask, going. Ask your parents, kids. Okay. <laughs> so now the father is like, oh, okay. Now you got to go back down to earth, um, and just bring my spirit with you. See ya. The kid went through all of this horrible stuff. Maybe he was hoping to, like, ta- toss Pro- the ball around with Dad. It looked know? like, why did you... How did I become me? How did you become you? What, do I have other siblings? Where yeah. did I... Like, he must have all these you questions. You know what I want to sing right now? And the cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. When did that come out? Uh... Was that about this time? That might have been about this time. <laughs> because... When you're coming home, Dad, porn, I don't know when. The dad just... Stuffs him back in that arrow oh. and shoots him back down to earth. Good one. Yeah. And now he's now yeah. And 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 now he's back down to earth. But he's colorful. He's he's and he's got two eyes. And he's got two eyes. And he's got an arrow. Yep. And the entire and it says the people celebrated his return in the dance of life. Oh, the dance. Okay, so I got a note on the dance as well. So, uh, there's this, uh, American Indian, uh, scholar of children's literature. Uh, her name is Debbie Reese. She actually runs the blog American Indians and Children's Literature. Not a fan of this book. Uh, and this is what she wrote. She wrote, I have harsh words for McDermott. That dance that happens at the end of the story, the dance of life, he made that up. No Pueblo does that. He made up that dance. For Pueblo Indians, dance is prayer. The not Pueblo Indian Gerald, Gerald McDermott, again, I would say, McDermott. McDermott. Yeah. Made up a prayer and is passing it off as a Pueblo prayer. I think that's pretty messed up. Yeah. It's kind of messed up. Yeah. I mean, this mm-hmm. is the last page. And I have a lot of questions. Number one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So was there no son when he was gone? Uh, Did the mother not wonder where her son was? Is the father forbidden from visiting Earth? Well, he is Wh- a son. Why does the son turn into Technicolor? What is the point okay, of the story? Okay, here's my confusion. Because you're saying son and I'm hearing S. U N and you meant S O N. Well, I mean, no. Like, was the son okay, gone? The very first question was there no S U N? Oh, okay. While he was gone. Who, the younger son or the or no? This was when the son was gone or when the father was gone. When the S O N was gone. <laughs> okay. Was there an S U N? Okay. 
Why am I finding this confusing? I don't even know. When the sun was gone, was there a sun? Was there a sun in the sun? I, I mean, you want me to pronounce it better? When the sun was gone, oh! was there a sun? A sun. In the sky. A sun. No. This is a silly episode. This is a really weird episode. Again. But it's some McDermott. weird... McDermott. McDermott, so, yeah, exactly. Uh, I... I I just left yeah. the end of this book with so many questions uh-huh. that, but the main one being, I don't understand the point of it. Yeah. Well, usually in these cases, you'd be like, well, I don't get the point of it. I'm sure that the author has an extensive uh, note at the end talking about where they got this from. Uh, where, 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 who'd they speak to? What was the, what was the sky? Wait a minute. Wait. Oh. Hey, what's that? What's that I'm looking at there? What's that thing? That's the lack of sun. What 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 color is that? That's the lack of sun. That's the lack of sun. What color is this page here? Black. Black. It's a, it is like it is like a little vacuum oh, of it information. Does have a little banner. It does. It's oh, got a little Halloween banner on the side. So now we've Wait, got. What about in like the whatever you call these things? Oh the oh the book flap. Yeah. The book flap. There you go. There we go. Let's look at the book flap here. What did the oh maybe I'll look at the front book flap. There we go. Uh, let's see. It evokes. The Native American reverence for the source of all life, the solar fire. The Lord of the Sun. Doesn't uh, doesn't actually say where he got it from. I'm sure it says on the back. I'm sure it says on the back. Here. So well, the back the back flap. Oh, he's born in Detroit, Michigan. He was the primary education program director for the Joseph Campbell Foundation. Oh, there you go. It doesn't really say uh, any research. Just he did in here. Blah blah blah. Native mm-hmm. Americans. Blah blah blah. The sun. <laughs> blah, blah, blah blah blah. Arrow. Blah blah blah. Dense. Caldecott, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, this would be a lot better if it was not claiming to be a folktale. Because it actually says, a, it does not say based on a Pueblo Indian tale. It, it says, outright says a Pueblo, Pueblo Indian, Indian tale. tale. It does not say, I came uh, wait, up with wait, this wait. on my own. But on the cover page. Yeah, oh, what does it say? It does say okay, what is, okay, there we a go. Pueblo Indian tale adapted and illustrated. Okay, so but that's not the cover. That's the that's the title, that's the title page. page. How hard is it to put that on the cover? Um, they didn't have. Room. Oh, they didn't have any room because they had that big golden medal to get around. Well, because yeah. the rays of the sun. The rays of the sun were just so blinding. Yes. That I couldn't. The uh, Lord must reach out to all of <laughs> with his to all of the kingdoms. Arrow. You know, like when you like watch a movie or you see a musical or you read a book or something. And the title has nothing to do with the book. Yes. There was an arrow. It did go to the sun. It also so, I think all your objections, Missy, are uh, <laughs> moot. Right. Moot on that one. Betsy. I claim moot. McDermott. Oh, right. You know what? <laughs> I have nothing to say against that. Right? You're totally right. You're dead right, on. You're dead on. on. You're dead on. All right. All right. Have you ever been on an award committee of any sort? Like, chosen no. award? All right. Well, let me let me tell you a little something. Let me see. About being on a... If you're on a major award committee, you know what you live in fear of? People saying, why didn't you choose mine to win an award? No, you expect that. No, what you live in fear of is that your committee was lame, and that you gave it to a lame book, and every time for the rest of your life, someone's like, oh, you served on... You served on the Calicot Committee. Well, what was your year? And you say, my year was Arrow to the Sun, and then they get that disappointed look in their face like, oh, Okay. And then they change the subject really fast. That's that, that would be that's the worst. Oh, that, that was you. Oh, that must have been that, fun. Oh, that book. Yeah. I mean, I have so heard of it. Lots of people have read it. Yes, 
It's like in it so was many in papers yeah. and libraries. It really was. And you were on that committee that... Mm. Really? Yep. Okay. It's really got uh-huh. so much color. It really... It had in, a in lot parts, of color. In parts of it, there's a lot of color. And there other really parts, are. there's not. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And then you immediately try to get another committee so that you never have to tell anybody you were on that committee again. Which is fair game. Yeah. Well, I would think so. So there was this really good article about this book, uh, from which I am poaching most of my information. This was uh, in t- September 1st, 2013. Uh, a Miss Katie Horning did a hist- like a full-on history of this book. Uh, it was on the Hornbook website. It was called Arrow to the Sun and Critical Controversies. I will link to it in the show notes. It is well worth reading because... We like to be like, oh, well, this book came out in 1974. This is before people even know what racism in children's books was. (laughs) Okay, so in February of 1974, all right, like, take a step back with me in time. Before this book even wins its little Caldecott that's gold, there was an article in the School Library Journal. It was called The Image of American Indians Projected by Non-Indian Writers. It was written by uh, Mary Gloin Byler, a member of the Eastern Band of the Cherokee Indians of North Carolina. And this is what she wrote. She wrote, uh, It is time for American publishing houses, schools, and libraries to take another look at the books they are offering children and seriously set out to offset some of the damage they've done. Only American Indians can tell non-Indians what it is to be Indian. There is no longer a need for non-Indian writers to quote-unquote interpret American Indians for the American public. So there was already a piece out about folks like Mr. McDermott who thought it was his job to... I'm sorry, what was his exact words um, for... I believe it was adapt. Adapt. Yes. Adapt. He had to adapt it, yes. Uh, then it goes on, and it wins its Caldecott, and then suddenly, big name, people like Selma G. Lanes, Barbara Bader, all were like, um, that's not cool. And then you had people like Debbie Reese and Naomi Caldwell-Wood, who in Violet J. Harris's Using Multi-Ethnic Literature in the K-8 Classroom, pointing out all the problems with this book. And then you had people interviewing Pueblo people, and it seemed like the more conservative Pueblo people really had huge objections. The more liberal Pueblo people were like, nah, it's fine. Uh, so there is no consensus, obviously, there necessarily, but generally speaking, cause for concern. I don't think you need to be a... Pueblo Indian to see that it's not great, because... I think you're right. I'm not a Pueblo Indian, and I don't think this is great. You didn't have any context when I handed you the book. So when you came back in the room, the like the expression on your face was not, I have just read the most beautiful book of my life. I was kind of hoping it would be down the path of, like, um, why mosquitoes buzz in people's ears. Yes, it does look like it would be along those lines, right? And it's not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a disappointment there. Yeah. Yeah, but I was I was curious what your what your interpretation of it would be. I'm just I'm filled with mm. more questions than compliments. That's a fair point. Yeah. I'd say. Yeah. So can we rate this already? Yeah, let's rate it. Three. Two. Done. All right. <laughs> Not a classic. <laughs> oh, that Sorry. Was, that was easy. Gerald McDermott. That was was our fastest rating. That may have been our fastest rating. It's it's nice when we see eye to eye on things like that. We don't need to spend any more time on it. No, 
I agree. All right, moving on. Letters time. La, 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 la. Lots had built up while we were gone, but some of them are quite short. So uh, here's the first one. Uh, this first one is called uh, coming from uh, Lark, a.k.a. the Snarky Witch. I, can I... Lark be like our, like our stepsister? Because we already have the third sister... I feel like we need to incorporate Lark because she's like a good I fan. agree. Lark is very faithful. I'm, I'm digging first cousin. All right, first cousin is good. All okay. right, so Lark, the first cousin, wrote. She says, Dear Betsy and Kate, I am sure you must have mentioned this at some point, but I do not remember. What are your Hogwarts houses? I am guessing Betsy is a Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff and Kate is a Slytherin. I would say those are good guesses. Those are very good guesses. I'm a little... I guess there's a little bit of Ravenclaw in me, but I think I'm mostly Hufflepuff. Go Hufflepuff! Sure. Woohoo! I like trees. I like being cunning. Yeah. <laughs> she continues and, and says, I am so glad you did a tiger for Tomas. It is lovely and I had never heard about it. Thank you always. Aww. Next up comes from Sarah. She says, ladies, I present you. I am you. a lady. I am a lady. You will address me as such. <laughs> ladies, I present to you this compilation of Winnie, parentheses, Bette Midler, saying book. She does like this thing with her mouth. Is that mouth. what she does? I did not even remember Book! That. It's, 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 I can't, <laughs> I can't quite do it with retainer, but it's, I, I know I'm killing this sound. This is from the too. movie Hocus Pocus, yeah, yes. Yeah. And this, she says, is the only evidence that should be needed to convince any librarian of the merits of Hocus Pocus. All right, touche, touche. Uh, this dates back to our debate as to why millennials love Hocus Pocus. Love, love Hocus Pocus. Yeah, well, you are a millennial. (laughs) I confess that I am not of the crowd of most millennials that saw the movie originally, as witches really weren't a thing in my house growing up. Insert story about my parents censoring witches out of one particular book by taping pages together here. Hmm. But during my college rebellion, when I finally read Harry Potter for the first time, I also allowed myself to watch Hocus Pocus and was properly put under its spell. As always, lovely show. Thank you, Sarah. So sweet. Okay, sorry. So this next one comes from Mom. It is a reference to uh, the Wolves in the Walls episode where you had pointed out there's something creepy about people being in walls hiding from people who are uh, coming to their houses. Uh, She says, footnote to Wolves slash Walls. (laughs) I like it. It's Wolves slash Walls. Gaiman's Jewish, grandfather emigrated from Poland, though it's complicated by his parents becoming Scientologists big time when he was four. Still, I think all the things that creeped you out were definitely elements percolating through his brain, too. Yeah, because I, I looked at those pictures yeah. and I was like, this definitely looks like Jews hiding in the walls during the Holocaust. Yeah, that's like, really interesting. And so I didn't know that his grandfather came from Poland. That is not something I knew. Finally, we got one from Josh Funk. Uh, and he said, I'm curious as to the eligibility rules of what could be considered a classic. It reminds me a little about Hall of Fame eligibility, where the rules are that the band's first album must have been released at least 25 years earlier. I'm inclined to say 25 years is longer than necessary for picture books, as the number of picture books that consistently sell, or are consistently read, that are more than 10 years old are very few and far between. Well... When I so Spider and the Fly, that's mm-hmm. relatively recent, right? It is. And it won an award, a major award, which I think helps it in the in the memories of people. Creepy Carrots is relative. That well, he brings up Creepy Carrots. That was like a toe over the line classic, okay. though. Well, but yeah, and listen to this. I'm willing to bet he says that Kate would like a lot of today's current picture books because she, like many of today's creators, grew up on the same Simpsons slash SNL slash Parks and Rec 
think you're much younger than you are. No, humor. no, no, he's, he's right on that. I just, right. I didn't watch Parks and Rec. Okay, yeah. yeah. Humor that she probably did, hence her the enjoyment of creepy carrots. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, and, you know, he, he points out that for contemporary picture book writers, uh, he says, the best-selling book, picture books every year are still Goodnight Moon and The Very Hungry Caterpillar uh, and Dr. Seuss and, and other books that were mostly written between 30 and 70 years ago. How many picture books from the 90s have entered the layperson's canon? How many from the knots? Rumpelstiltskin. When was, uh, that was... That was a while ago. I think it was, like, 89 or something like that. Yeah. I, that was that was longer ago than I expected. I was I like, maybe that that's ninety. It could have been ninety. <laughs> it could have been. I don't. I think it surprised me by being the like only ones I could really think of that were recent were Creepy Carrots and Spire and the Fly. Uh, that we made class. Did we make We didn't make Pigeon Drive the Buzz classic, right? Ugh. Or did we? Ugh. If we did, it was all you, not me. Yeah, we might have. So Ugh. there you go. Ugh. There you go, folks. She still loves it. Still Ugh, loves it. That so, one. Just let that. I think stupid I'm wearing on her. drive the stupid bus already. It's so strange that is your reaction to it. All right. <gasps> grown-up things we like. Oh, yes. What's a grown-up thing you like? Doodah, oh, my gosh. So, I, as we mentioned before, I've been traveling a lot, so I will make this quick. Okay. All my things will be about Las Vegas. Okay. Four things. All right. Thing number one. I didn't know there were four things in Las Vegas. There are. Oh. Well, one of the things just ended. Okay. Uh, There's three things now. Well, <laughs> well Chris Angel's show, Mind Freak, uh, Mind Freak Live, just ended, but uh-huh. he's starting a new show in December, and our penguinologist, or... Oh, I'm sorry. You mean our snarky witch? <laughs> yes, our snarky it witch. It was such a good term. I had to take it. Yes, yeah. our, our snarky witch. Yeah. Uh, is the he's designing the video for the new show. Oh, that's nice. So if you would like to see magic and also somehow be weirdly connected to us, go see the, his new show. I, I it's one of the very rare times you'll be able to connect this show to Chris Angel. There you so go. There you go. Um, I saw the Beatles love. Oh, that's uh, nice. Oh my gosh. Well, we stand the front row on Halloween and we're dressed as the Eggman and the Walrus. Cuckoo choo. Exactly. And nice. all the performers kept looking at us and being like, oh, and they like Aww. would do like the walrus tooth motion. I'm like, I love you guys. And they were and then I got Sgt. Pepper's Rose at the end of it Aww. because I was like, You guys are awesome. That's so nice. go see Beatles Look, because that's a heck of a show. Good. Um also Backstreet Boys in concert. Wait, you saw the Backstreet Boys? I did. I did. Oh okay. my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay, now I was an NSYNC girl because Lance Bass was like my man. But Backstreet Boys... No, I preferred Backstreet actually. But, oh, you're one of those. But I'm sorry. They put on a heck of a show. Of course they do. I mean, it's... it's. When's NSYNC last performed? Well. Yeah, I see. But it's it's an interesting show. So if you liked Backstreet Boys like 25 years ago... Sure. They sing all the classics. They really haven't had much coming out since. <laughs> Um, and then, true. if you want nothing to do with performances, check ah. out the Neon Museum. It's, Ooh, it's a non That sounds fun. So a nonprofit um, decided to gather all the thrown-out neon signs of Old Vegas and New Vegas from, like, anything that was on Fremont Street, any of the old motels or small businesses. That is cool. Um, you know, like Liberace's neon sign, the Stardust sign. It's, a, it's, it's all outside. And you get to walk around and see these old signs. And one of the ones that I really liked was the sign from the Moulin Rouge, which was the first um, non-segregated hotel. So it 
was like a, a huge hit back in the day because like everything was segregated and right. this was the first one to be non-segregated but the there was the woman who designed the sign for the Moulin Rouge spent like I don't remember how long it was like three months maybe like looking up French um, typography to know how to like design the sign and it's in her handwriting and she's the same woman who designed the welcome to las vegas sign huh. boom facts i didn't know a woman did that right so there Very you go nice. i'm full of random information you sure are there you go yeah lint roll of her brain it's awesome <laughs> as uh, they say that's that is true right? yeah Alright, so uh, Grown Up Thing I Like, well, we talk about games a lot. We talk about too often how much we like our games. Like, for example, I was playing a game with people the other night. Have you ever heard of The Chameleon? No. Oh, I like The Chameleon. The Chameleon's great. The Chameleon is a game where uh, you get cards and someone's randomly the chameleon. And then you have a little card in front of them and it might be like some topic like transportation. And then it's got like a bunch of different forms of trans, like magic carpet. And you roll a die and people who have the cards that are not the chameleon can figure out which one on there they're all supposed to come up with one word to describe. The chameleon has to fake it. And the chameleon does not want to get caught. So let's say that uh, everyone has seen magic carpet and someone says, uh, Agrabah, and someone else says sand. And, and then the chameleon has to either figure it out and fake it, or will say something completely vague like going fast. And something like that. It's a super fun game. But that's not what my game, my grown-up thing I like is. Because we talk about games too often. I'm actually going to recommend the movie Game Night. Uh, which is great! Do you remember the movie Game Night? Came out about half, about half a year ago? Vaguely. Okay, so Game Night uh, is charming. And it's about a couple uh, who love doing games. In the movie, I suspect they couldn't do any modern games. So it's a lot of, like, you know, Pictionary and things like that. Like, classic games. But uh, they are under the impression that they are part of a like murder mystery game that was set up by uh, someone's brother. And then as it goes on, it becomes increasingly clear that this is, in fact, an actual kidnapping. And it is not, in fact, a murder mystery. It is hilarious. It is fun. It is a good date, date, like, date night game. I'm sorry. D it date, is a good date, date night movie. <laughs> about games. About games. Who's in it? Jason Bateman, who's doing his Jason Bateman thing, so, yeah. you know, you've seen it before, yeah. but it's Rachel McAdams, who does not get to do funny very often. Rachel McAdams. Have you ever seen her do funny? I don't need to see her no. do anything. No, you're wrong. You oh, are wrong, my friend. She's like Anne Hathaway. Okay, oh, you're one of those, like, I don't like Anne Hathaway people. That's not cool anymore, man. Everyone Does, likes that. I'm not. I didn't like her to be cool. No, I just don't no, like. No, and no. Rachel McAdams. That's... Rachel McAdams was great in Slings and Arrows because she got to be funny, and she is. You don't even know who she is. Oh yeah, is. no, no, yeah, is, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I. Still and she, I, yeah. I don't care about anything she's done besides Slings and Arrows. She hasn't and... done anything good ever. Well, that's why you haven't seen Game Night, baby, because Game Night is <sighs> I'm never so going good. To now. No, Ugh. you would. You are missing out because Game Night is the best fun. Just a fun. Funny, really funny movie, and uh, it's got Jesse Plemons, uh, who we like to call the Ugly Matt Damon, and that's my thing. Okay. All right, game day. Yeah. Woo. And now you'll tell us about what happened with that turkey, right? Huh? Yeah. Um, oh man. You know what? We've run out of time. Oh. We, we have done all this talking. Yeah. Not any time left for the turkey? Yeah. I'll bring it up next week. We'll gobble gobble next week. 
Huh? Uh, uh, I'm gonna work. <laughs> Woo! Oh. <clears throat> Awkward. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse Number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse Number 8 Kate. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Gibbons Kime, and our snarky witch is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird and does not reflect the views of School Library Journal. <laughs>